Well, today we are wrapping up my short sermon series told Getting Real, looking at how we can lead ourselves, not just through this current time, which is certainly uncertain and, and unprecedented as we navigate COVID together, but how we can lead ourselves through whatever comes ahead of us beyond COVID. You know, and the difficult thing I have found as a leader, and, and maybe you can relate to this as someone who people look up to, that it's not always easy to lead. It's not always to have the answers that people are looking for. And so we've been following the story of Nehemiah, who was the, the cupbearer to King Artaxerxes. Now, the nation of Israel, they were in exile. They were in Assyria or in, in Babylon, and um, it's modern-day Iraq. That's where they were at. They were, they were captured and deported and taken across by foreign rulers. And during this time of exile, prophets had come and told them that God had not forgotten his people. In the midst of their exile that God had promised that he would return them back to their promised land. And so King Cyrus of Persia, he'd already sent back uh, two delegations to go and start rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem. And so this is where we come to our story today. The uh, two delegations have already gone back. The temple was being rebuilt. In fact, the temple had been completed. And so we come to our passage in Nehemiah today, where a group of people have returned from Jerusalem and and the report from Jerusalem wasn't very good. It was bad news. And it wasn't a pandemic sweeping the world. It was a crisis that could destroy the very fabric of Jewish culture, Jewish economy, Jewish society, and Jewish religion. And so in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 3, the report was, they said to me, that things are not going well for those who returned to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Now, and so the last couple of weeks, the last two messages, we've seen how Nehemiah did two things when he faced challenging news. In verse 4, it tells us, When I heard this, when I was confronted with the challenges that my people were facing, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. And so we've seen how Nehemiah, the first thing he did was that he got real with himself. He acknowledged how he felt. He didn't, he didn't stick his head in the sand and hope these things would just go away. He was not afraid on letting us, his readers of his diary, realize that he was struggling, that he was overwhelmed. He didn't deny his feelings, but we see that he did not dwell on his feelings either. So he got real with himself. And the second thing we looked at last week was that he got real with God. He went face to face with God. When he was faced with this troubling news, he found himself in the presence of God. And he cried out, to the phrase Nehemiah uses, I cried out to the God of heaven. I cried out to the God who has the power of heaven at his command. He cried out to the only one that has the power to do something about the situation he's facing. And so for each one of us today, whatever you're facing, whether it's at home or in your health or with your family or work, whatever you're facing today, the God of heaven is more than able to provide you what you need, the resources you need to find strength and hope and victory in that space. So down to verse 11, he cried out to the God of heaven and verse 11 says, O Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayer of those who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it in his heart to be kind to me. So one of the things you learn in the story of Nehemiah is that he understood the importance of prayer. And so he understood the importance of, of going to God. But also we'll see in these couple of verses that we'll also see that he understood the challenge of waiting. 
as I read the Bible, um, it's so often we find prayers that are given and, and answers that come the next verse. But between those two verses, there's days or weeks or months or years. There's often in the Bible, there's always a gap between God's promise and God's provision. And we're not always told how our Bible heroes, how they respond in that period of waiting. That's a challenging space. I'm sure you've been there when you've, when you've known God spoken or you, you've sent a prayer up to God and, you, and, you, and you've declared something God's declared over you and you know that God will do it. But there's this time when God's spoken and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. Do you know what that's like? Well, Nehemiah did because he, he prayed to the God of heaven and he asked God to be favorable that day. But in Nehemiah's case, it would be four to five months, so four, probably four and a half months between his prayer and the answer. And uh, in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1, we read that early the following spring, in the month of Nisan, during the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was serving the king his wine. I'd never appeared sad in his presence. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You know, you, if, if my wife, when I read this verse to her, she burst into, um, why are you looking so fat, sad? It's a not so bad. It's a nicer place. You know that song. Anyway, she distracted me. So I'm not distracting you. Erase that thought from your head. The king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. And so, as Nehemiah, so for four months, Nehemiah, he prayed, he left it with God, brought his worries to God, and then he went about his usual duties in serving the king. And during his usual duties, the king noticed, hey, something is different about Nehemiah. He's looking so sad. You know, four months can seem a long time to be waiting for God to act. Even in this um, current COVID challenge, it's been over four months since we have we as a nation have been navigating this journey. It's been over four months since we as a church have been navigating this disconnected yet online connected world. And tell you what, four, four months is a long time. I'm sure for all of us, the first month we were really, yes, we can do this. And the, the second month comes along and said, we, 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 we'll get there. God will come through. Third month's come. We're getting a bit tired. And the fourth month now comes and goes and and I, I can understand. I, I know that we can get fatigued. I know that we can get weary. And I, I, just know the, I just know the challenge between the promise and the provision. Because we know that God will see us through this. But sometimes, certainly for our friends in my friends in Melbourne and in Victoria, their situation is bleak and they're wondering. that Their, their trust is in God, no question about that. But four months, five months, another six weeks for them can be really challenging. So, so it affected Nehemiah and the king noticed that Nehemiah was sad. Perhaps even Nehemiah was, was showing signs of depression, mental health challenges. And so, so the king asked, are you okay? He said to Nehemiah, hey, what's going on? And so Nehemiah had already got real with himself. He'd got real with God. And now it's time for Nehemiah to get real with others. Now this bit isn't always easy. You know, and to get real with other people, it may, this, it may scare the pants off you. If people really knew how you felt, if people really knew how troubled or fearful or, or anxious or worried or, or, or lonely, sometimes for us to really be open with people, it can be scary. If people really knew your struggles, 
or people really knew your concerns would they would they still want to be with you or or be part of your world and that's the internal wrestle we need to have well nehemiah's situation in verse 2 it says then i was terrified he was terrified thinking about having this conversation but i replied long live the king how could i not be so sad for the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire. You see, Nehemiah was terrified about getting real with the king. Because for him, it was really risky. See, only a few years earlier, if you read back in the book of Ezra, it wasn't that long ago where the same king had issued an order that the work in Jerusalem must stop. He issued an order that, that, that it must cease. And so for Nehemiah to ask what he was going to ask in a minute, he's going to ask the king to do something which would go against what the king had already made. Now, although Nehemiah was a cupbearer and a, a privileged position in the royal household, he was still a foreign servant. And for, the, for a foreign servant to question the authority or the command or challenge the instruction of a king, it's likely that their lives would be under threat. And so, as we no no wonder Nehemiah was terrified. I've got I've got to talk to the king and I've got to ask him to do something which is going to be risky. And as we as we look through the story, we see that Nehemiah showed incredible wisdom in how he got real with the king. You know, he'd been waiting months for this opportunity. He just didn't pray and just say, Well, God will sort it out. Nehemiah was looking for opportunity and trusting God will give him opportunity. And that opportunity came four months later and when the king asked him the nehemiah didn't sugarcoat the situation to, to 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 cover it up and you know oh king you know things aren't going so well but it's going to be okay now nehemiah was very honest and very real with the king but note nehemiah didn't say well king you know because you stopped the work everything has fallen apart nehemiah didn't blame the king and so i think there's something really important that we can learn here that when we are dealing with people which is what we pretty much do every day of the year, when we're dealing with people, it's more important to find a solution than to point who's to blame. Nehemiah could have talked to the king and said, this happened, blah, 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 whinge, 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 king, you did this, it's all, it's all too much for me. But he didn't. He honoured and he respected the king. And I believe that, that Nehemiah shows us that it is possible to lead. Remember where God's placed us as leaders and influencers. People are look to, looking to us. And you might be thinking, well, I'm, I'm too young or I'm too old or I'm, I'm this or I'm that. And Nehemiah shows that it's possible to lead whoever is around you, whether it's the king above you or the people below you. And he does that by the importance of showing respect and honor. Now, this, this applies, respect and honor applies to every sphere of life. Now, if you are kids, I would encourage you, respect and honor your parents. You know, you will be surprised at the outcomes when you can approach your parents with request, with, sorry, with uh, um, respect and honor, acknowledging who they are, and then respecting them in their position that God's given them. Parents, do you know what? You can still respect and honor your kids. Yes, they are under your care and we have a responsibility to, to nurture them and, and train them and to discipline them and to and to shape them into uh, I tell my kids we we're trying to help you become good adults even when they're uh, even when they're young but parents we can still respect and honor our kids even when we're 
having to um, have discipline or difficult talks, we can still respect and honor our kids. Maybe if, you're, um, maybe if you've got a difficult boss or a difficult co-worker uh, around your work, you know, it is possible still to respect and honor them. Uh, if you can respect and honor them, you'll be surprised by the favor and response that you get from them. Maybe if you are the difficult boss or you are the difficult co-worker, well, I want to encourage you, respect and honor those around you. Maybe if you're a husband or your wife, we need to learn how to respect and honor one another. Maybe if you're a, a student, don't encourage you, you need to respect and honor the teachers that, that are over you, that are trying to equip you and help you to learn. Maybe if you're a teacher, you can say, I know, what I love about all the teachers in our church is that uh, they love our kids and they respect and honor the kids. Yes, they need to stretch them and grow them and teach them and train them, but I love how our teachers respect and honor our kids. Maybe with your friends at school, you know, it's uh, sometimes hard when on the playground or in the in the um, uh, in the in the lunchroom or classroom or wherever you are. Sometimes it's hard when people say stuff and you hear stuff what kids are saying. Not just kids. This happens for grown-ups as well. We can we can hear what people say about us, and they might be having a hard day, and they say something, and it can hurt us, and then we can want to oh gee how dare they think that? Well I'm well do you know what they did? You know that doesn't help us. What we learn from Nehemiah, he's, he's showing us and telling us we need to learn to respect and honor those around us. So what, what I'm trying to say here, if you missed the point right now, regardless of who you are, regardless of what rank or status or title or function that you have, the best advice I can give you as you look at Nehemiah's story is to show respect and honor to all people. And if you can do that, you'll be surprised at the favor and the response and the, the things that change in your life. It's a great principle to live your life by. And especially in this difficult time when you know what, you may not want to wear a mask. You, you, you may not want to just do your hands again for the 50th time. You may not want to have to distance. You may not want to do any of that, but we need to learn to respect and honor our government. In fact, in 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 17, the message translation says, to treat everyone you meet with dignity, love your spiritual family, revere God, and respect the government. You know, if we can learn to do this, and it does take time, I really believe it'll help build a safe platform, especially when we're talking with those that are around us. It takes time to build those safe relationships and where we can respect and honor one another. But when you can build those platforms, that's when you can get real with other people. That's when you can get really real with other people and and the people you're trying to influence or lead your kids your co-workers your, your 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 employees the people that are valuable to you as you respect and honor them you've created a platform that can that can accomplish a lot of things and so in verse 4 the king so so uh, Nehemiah respected and honored the king got real with the king told him what was going on and the king asked well how can i help you with the prayer to the god of heaven i replied and so just pause here. It seems Nehemiah from this passage here, it seems Nehemiah like many of us seem to be just making things up as he goes along. <clears throat> I know Nehemiah was, had great strategies, but I love this point. When the king asked him what he could do, Nehemiah said, well, the mystery translation said, praying under my breath to the God of heaven. <clears throat> I want to tell you something. Don't underestimate 
the power of short prayers. We need to be able to learn to, whatever you, whatever you need, whatever you need, that we can cry out to God in the moment for wisdom, for, for discernment, for peace, for patience, for grace, for help. Don't think, well, I'm, I need something, but I haven't got time to, to, to pray for two hours about it. You know, I really believe our Heavenly Father loves, loves it when His kids talk to Him. And so He is willing to respond. And so, um, look, Nehemiah did pray longer prayers. Nehemiah did spend extended times praying and fasting and, and seeking God. And, and God heard them and responded, but also God heard and responded when he, Nehemiah simply said to God, Help! I've got no idea what I'm doing. Help! It's a good prayer. It's one of the best prayers you'll pray. And so, um, in verse 5, Nehemiah replied, Well, if it pleased the king, and if you're pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. The king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked, How long will you be gone, and when will you return? After I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. You see, when we've built a platform of respect and honour, I believe we put ourselves in a position to bring change, to influence people. Because it's on that platform where you can find yourself, it's much easier to be honest with someone when you've got a safe platform, mutual respect and honour. It's easier to be vulnerable. It's easier to resolve the differences that we have. It's easier to have difficult conversations. The conversation Nehemiah was having, it was a difficult conversation. But it's also easier on that safe platform to ask for what you need. It's easier to, when you respect and honour one another, to get people on your side. And it's easier to work together to see a good outcome. You know, I know there's times when you've respected and honoured your, your parents or your children or your boss or, or someone, and I know it hasn't worked out well. I know there's, there's times when people uh, don't respect and honour you. It's got to be mutual. And there's times that you've, um, you've been hurt or disappointed. I want to encourage you, don't let that stop you respecting and honouring people. Don't let that stop you. Well, I'm not going to trust that person or that leader or that, or that pastor or that, or that boss or that parent again. We need to learn to, to respect and honour one another and just keep trying, keep believing. Keep showing respect. And I believe if you do that, you will see some outcomes, some good outcomes, certainly good outcomes for you if the external situations don't change. But on the whole, you'll find those external situations will change. And for Nehemiah, he had a fantastic outcome because the king gave Nehemiah permission to, to return and accomplish the task that he had. You know, he, he gave Nehemiah permission to go for however, it's, it's a nine-month journey. So Nehemiah was going to say, I'm going to be gone for years. And the king said, sure. But he didn't just give him permission. There was so much more. In verse 7, And I also said to the king, Well, if it please the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors in the province of the west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through their territory on my way to Judah. Please give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber. And I will need it to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress, for the city walls and a house for myself. And the king granted this request because the gracious hand of God was on me. This is amazing when you think that Nehemiah was terrified to have this difficult conversation. He was freaking out that he'd have to talk to the king and get real with the king. But here it says that the king granted all these requests because the gracious hand of God was on me. 
the gracious hand, think about that phrase, the, the phrase, the generous, gracious hand of God was on us. Tell the person next, look at them in the eye and say, the gracious hand of God is on you. It's on you. It's, he, God is placing his hand upon you and it's full of grace and it's full of power and it's full of provision and it's on them. You know, there's so much more to the story of Nehemiah and, and I believe over this period of our, our modern history uh, that we're facing and journeying through this, uh, this weeks ahead, I believe that there are more keys in the story of Nehemiah that, that is helpful for not just our church, but for the church to walk out of. It seems to me that the walls of our society are broken down and crumbling. It seems to me the walls of our families, our economy, our education systems, it seems to me those walls are weakened. It seems to me that people are feeling vulnerable. People are feeling afraid. People are feeling lost. And it can seem troubling. It can seem overwhelming. And it can seem unsettling on so many different levels. And in the midst of all of this, God has a plan for his people. God has a plan for his church. God has a plan for you and for me. And in the same way that God positioned Nehemiah in a place of influence, that God has placed each one of us in our families, in our hospitals, in our, in our businesses, in our schools, God has placed us in our streets, in our communities. God has placed us there for a reason. And that reason is, would be for such a time as this, that in the midst of the trouble and, and chaos that our world may look like, that you and I can be a, bring a voice of hope and to bring a message of peace. And ultimately, from, the, from our place of hope, <coughs> that we can lead other people to their place of hope, which is found in Jesus. So you see, I believe God's plan is, and it always has been God's plan, that he would use us to help rebuild the lives of those around us. And I know there's times when we don't feel capable, we don't feel uh, uh, able to lead or to, or to possibly, how am I going to help that or what am I going to bring? There's times when we don't even feel willing to be used by God. There's times we're thinking, Mark, you know, I'm just struggling to, to, to control and, and, and manage my own family, my own work, my own space. You know, our hands can be so full with all the other things we're dealing with. You know, if that's you, if you're feeling that you've got so much other stuff you're trying to deal with, you know what, and you're feeling overwhelmed and tired, I think this is exactly where Nehemiah was. But he understood that he had a part to play. And what he did, he got real with himself. He was willing to acknowledge his feelings. He got real with God. He, he was willing to take his feelings and his troubles, not to, uh, not to the God who can do nothing, but he took his feelings and his troubles to our God in heaven, to his Father in heaven. And he got real with others. He was willing to have difficult conversations. He understood the importance of of honouring and respecting others, respecting those above him, respecting those at the same level as him, respecting and honouring those below him. Nehemiah understood the importance of prayer, whether it's prayer and fasting and intentionally putting time aside to seek God, or if it's just, God, I need your help. He understood the power of prayer. And so, as we wrap up this series, I want you to know that God has placed you in your space, wherever that is whatever that looks like, that God has a plan and a purpose for you to be there and he's put you there to rebuild people, to rebuild hope, just like he did with Nehemiah. And I don't know how you're feeling right now. I know there's times how I feel and, and there's like an up and down, a whole range of feelings. 
But what I do know is regardless of your feelings, I know that God has placed you exactly there. He's, he's placed you as head of that family, head of that business. He's placed you as a, as a friend who can bring life and hope and encouragement. And if God has placed you there, He believes you can do it. He believes you can lead your family. He believes you can lead your business. He believes you can lead the students in your class. He believes you can lead your ministry. He believes you can lead your friends through this time. I believe that God, the, the God of heaven, has not left me alone to navigate and work this out by myself. God hasn't said, well, Mark, off you go, work it out. It's likely that the God in heaven believes in me more than I believe in me. It's likely that the God in heaven believes in you more than you believe in you. And, and if he believes in us, well, I think that's a great place to start. So let's make a choice together. Let's make a choice as a, as a church community to get real, to get real with ourselves, to get real with God, and to get real with those around us. Let's, let's encourage and celebrate with one another. Let's pray for one another. And together, let's do what Nehemiah did. Watch and see what God can do, because God is at work. God is doing something, and he wants to use you, and he wants to do me. All he's looking for is people. We don't have to have it together. We don't have to know what we're doing. We just need to say, you know what, God, I, I, you put me there and I'm willing to be used by you. Help me to get real with myself, with you and with others and together that we can see this place changed. I believe that. Do you believe that God can do that? Well, let's pray together. Well, Father God, I just thank you that you are our God. I thank you that you are the God of heaven. And Lord, I thank you for the little time we've had looking at the story of Nehemiah when we've seen how you've you've used him to to stir his heart to to show him broken people and broken cities and Lord I pray in this time that you'll help us as a church family to understand what it is to get real with one another Lord that you would help us to show honor and respect to one another and Lord in that even when it's difficult or hard there's people that may be uncomfortable or, or conversations that are going to be difficult. But Lord, I pray like Nehemiah prayed that you would give us favor and that you would give us the, the help us to be patient for the right time where we can have those conversations and come together, pray together, resolve our differences, where we can work together and grow our relationships stronger so that together and across our, together as families, as a church, that we can work together as we can see that in the latest story of Nehemiah, how we can all work together to rebuild the lives of those around us. And so Lord, I, I pray for your wisdom. I pray for each of us, no matter what role we have and function we have, Lord, give us the wisdom we need to do what we need to do. Give us the wisdom to know it. Give us the ability to navigate through those difficult times. But I thank you that you've promised that you're never going to leave us and you're with us right now. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.